This is the Learning Curve Podcast, and I'm Pastor Scott Rambo. Welcome to the classroom. Let's dive into the Word of God and see what He has to say to us today. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19. We're looking at the question tonight posed by Miss Ricky. What is the difference between a Christian's fear of God and a sinner's fear of God? Is there a difference? We're going to see what the Bible has to say, okay? So we're going to take our main text out of Exodus. Uh, Believe it or not, we didn't have to go real far into the Bible before the Bible starts talking about fear. (laughs) Uh, Reverent fear of the Lord and also uh, just natural fallenness of man fear. You are correct, and that we're going to talk about it. We are. So there's, we're going to talk about three different types of fear tonight. Two of them the Bible talks plainly about, and the third one the Bible talks about, there's not a proof text that says this third fear exists, but what the Bible says is basically man either fears God in reverence or in some form or another you're terrified of God or you don't fear him at all. And that's a very dangerous place to be. And that's what we're going to talk about. So Exodus 19, starting in verse 9, <clears throat> we're actually going to read through um, into chapter 20. We're going to jump around. We know that chapter 20, that's God giving Moses the Ten Commandments. He, he writes the, the tablets. Um, and that is really where our whole biblical study is based on. It's based around those Ten Commandments. Adam and Eve was given one commandment. They failed to to commit to that commandment. Moses is given Ten Commandments. The Israelites can't handle the Ten. We, we go all the way to the New Testament, and when Christ steps foot on this earth, They have the Ten Commandments plus 613 oral commandments, oral laws, and there's no way man can commit to that. Christ says, hey, I come to fulfill what you couldn't couldn't do. I give you a law now. It's called the law of liberty. Thank God. We have freedom in Christ. But we never get away from the Ten Commandments. We never get away from God's law. We were talking about it in our men's small group. Now we're going through Romans. We never get away from the law. Christ plainly said he did not come to abolish the law. He come to fulfill the law. And now that we live in Christ, our sanctification, day by day, glory to glory, faith by faith, gets me closer and closer to the fulfillment of that law. Right? All right. So Exodus 19, verse 9. Talking about, again, the question, what is the difference between a Christian's fear of God and a sinner's fear of God? The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud, so that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe in you forever. When Moses told the words, uh, then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, 
and let them wash their garments and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So this isn't just visible to Moses, right? Growing up, I, I thought Moses had this vision while he was on a mountain. And, and maybe some of you have, have heard it described like that. Moses goes up to the mountain. The people are at the bottom of the mountain. And, and like Paul, I know a man. Whether he was in the body or not, he doesn't know. But that's not what we see here. Moses isn't seeing a vision. God comes to the mountain. And it's, it's visible not only to our first prophet, Moses, but the people as well. That's important because we're going to see this. Why do the people fear God? Because they have seen God, right? God is invisible. We understand that. God is spirit. But they see the cloud. They hear the thunder. They feel the rumble. They hear a voice. They know God. They fear God. We're going to see some, like Moses, fear him in holy reverence. The people fear him out of terror. And we'll, we'll see that. So, <clears throat> uh, verse 12. You shall sell, set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up to, on the mountain or touch the border of it. Moreover, or whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. So God's pretty serious, right? And we need to understand that, that out of reverence for God, we do as he commands. And even though he is our father, we're talking to believers right now, he's our father, Christ, we're joint heirs with Christ. We don't go above what God has set. He has set our bounds and we don't go above him. We always stay beneath him, right? That was Satan's that was Satan's problem. He wanted to go outside of his creative bounds and God judged him for it. Same thing happens for us. We've been created for what? To glorify God, to accept his son, to to be made a vessel of honor to glorify God and when we try and upset our creative bounds, we go outside of the will of God. I go under the will of man. And unless I repent, God judges me, right? <clears throat> no hand shall touch him, but shall surely be stoned and shot through. Verse 14, so Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. He said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. So that's what consecration is, right? They, they were to separate and remain pure, whether they were married or not, to, to meet God, okay? Uh, we're not saying that if you're married, you have to separate, but our, the Bible says that separation for a season is good if it's for what? For prayer, supplications, for fasting. And this is what this is, right? They're consecrating themselves. They're about to meet their God. They're meeting their God for the first time. They've cried out to God. God has, God has saved them. He's taken them out of Egypt. He's shown himself to him in nature, right? Parting of the Red Sea. They see the fire 
fall but behind them. They see the destruction of Pharaoh and his armies. Now they're meeting God. <clears throat> Verse 15. He said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there was thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. That's the first instance that we see some type of fear, right? They're trembling. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. Why were they trembling? <laughs> They're about to meet the Creator. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. They didn't go beyond the bounds, right? They didn't touch the mountain. They didn't let any little sheep touch the mountain. Whatever touched the mountain was going to die. Moses was the only one that could leave the people and be before God. But the people were going to see this thunderous cloud and, and hear God's words. So now let's go to Exodus 20, 18. And we will read. So we have them before the mountain. They're at the foot of the mountain. Moses is with them. God's about to speak, right? And they hear the thunder. They hear the trumpet. He, God calls Moses up to the mountain. He goes back down to the people, and this is where we pick up. While, while, and again, like we said, while Moses is on the mountain in, in this in-between where we read, he's getting the Ten Commandments. Okay, he, he's, he's receiving the law of God. And uh, verse 18, All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. Did anybody not see it? Everybody seen it. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Now, how many remembers last week in Mark the, the reason Peter fell to his temptation. So he left Christ, right? He left him in the garden, but he followed him at a distance, right? And, and we, said, we said in that message that that is, that is the great stumbling block to a Christian and to the unsaved is that we try and follow Christ in, in another way than what he says to follow him. We follow him at a distance. I'll try and keep my distance from him. So this is what we see the people even doing now. They, they see all of this. They're trembling, and they back up. They're at the foot of the mountain when we left them. Now they're like, mm, I don't know about all that. Then, verse 19, they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But let not God speak to us, or we will die. Okay? Remember that. We will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid at this. Remember, God called you to the mountain, right? That's what he's saying. Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you. Are you seeing a resemblance, a, a foreshadowing of even Christ in, in the garden with his disciples? Hey, watch and pray. Because this is coming, right? There's a test coming. And, and Peter, you're going to fail this test 
if you don't do what I tell you to do. So again, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you, so that you may not sin. So without doing some language gymnastics and trying to uh, speak ancient Hebrew, the, the word tremble and uh, fear, two different words there. Okay, one means a reverence fear. The other means a general terror of some of the unknown. Basically, is is what it means. So that's our main text. That's where we take it at. What is the difference between a Christian's fear of God and a sinner's fear of God? So it's a good question. It's a question that I, I think needs to be answered, and, and I think that it's a question like Brother Nicky started off. That is very relevant for today because we don't we don't fear anything. Part of that is because we've grown up in the greatest nation on the face of the planet, right? God has blessed us immensely with the freedoms that we have, the liberties that we have, and although we have had our finger in every major conflict across this world, we have yet to have faced a conflict on this continent from foreign lands. Right, I know we've we've had conflict, but we have been spared, for the most part, a major conflict on this continent. Okay, I see some some of you who who have a little more history than me. Major conflict, right? Red Dawn, the movie Red Dawn, that hasn't happened yet. Okay, <laughs> there you go. I see some veterans smiling. We we haven't. We haven't had Russia invade. China hasn't invaded. Nobody. We we we've been secluded from that. We go fight the the battles. The battles don't generally come come to us, right? And because of that, I I can speak for myself. 30, 34, almost thirty five years on this earth, I haven't had to fear that. It's never happened before, <laughs> you know. No one's even ever. I can't remember anyone ever saying seriously, hey. We need to be careful because X, Y, and Z is going gonna, is gonna to invade. They're going to come. I have heard, hey, we're about to go to war, right? Hey, if, if things keep escalating, we're going to send people, right? I have heard that. But I've never laid my head down at night worrying, am I going to hear bomb sirens going off? Or, or You understand what I'm saying? I, I don't fear that. I, one way or the other, I don't fear it. Now, there may come a day where, we learn to fear that, and God help us when we do. But as of right now, that's not a genuine fear for me. I don't fear it one way or the other. I am I'm neutral in that in that area. Um, that's where we find ourselves, unfortunately, because of the callousness and the hardness of the people's hearts in this generation. We're neutral to the things of God. I don't care about them. I really don't. The word that's been going around for the last month in our preaching and teaching and, and, and Bible studies is, is apathy. I'm apathetic to the things of God. What was brought out in uh, last night's men's Bible study or small group was that we now live in a post-Christian world. For whatever reason, it seems like I'm the last generation that even though I wasn't saved, I had Christian morals. Right? They weren't doing me any good. They weren't working me towards salvation, but I didn't steal because I knew it was wrong. 
because the Bible says I do, but also because my parents had taught me God doesn't like stealing, right? And, and I didn't do it. I, I lied, and I was punished for lying, and I was made to know why lying was wrong, because liars have a special place in hell, and that's, that's something that we need to understand, right? That's what I was taught as a kid, because my parents believed the Bible, yeah, my parents were be believers of the Bible, and they believe raise a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart. And I'm, I mean, I'm proof of that. Here I am. I'm raising my child that way, but unfortunately for the mass majority, they're not. It just There's people who don't care. They genuinely just don't care about God, the things of God, church. None of it matters. What matters is, am I happy right now? And if I'm not happy, then I'm going to find what makes me happy. But for some reason, God never comes up in the conversation. Well, maybe God could, you know, maybe God could make you happy because their, their, their uh, ring of influence, the people that they're around, the, 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 the culture that they're in is a post-Christian culture. Unless we, that's why missions ministry <laughs> especially outside these four walls, is so much more important today. It's always been important, but these people aren't going to hear it unless we tell them. Unless the church goes out and proclaims the gospel, for whatever reason, they're not picking this up. You know, I had seven Bibles before I was saved, right? They're not picking this up. They're not hearing it. When they go to YouTube, they're not typing in, what does God say, right? And even if they are, they're doing it through a, a, a bias that is against God, right? That's where we are. Just to let you know, in case you didn't, uh, it's a scary place to find ourselves in. To go from a pre-Christian culture to a Christianized culture to now a, a post-Christian culture, the church is never more, uh, never, uh, not never more. We're, we're needed. We are needed right now. We need to band together. We really do. That's Lanyap. <laughs> but it's true. What What is true is true. So there's two kinds of fear or three kinds of fear. Scripture has a lot to say about fear. If you do a simple word study, literally hundreds of references is going to come up to fear, uh, trembling before the Lord, being terrified, right? You're going to get passages where angels showed up and men dropped down as dead men. That's fear, right? Uh, and then you're going to get those topical references like we're really talking about tonight of the, the fear of the Lord where you, start to, where you start to really pin down what you're talking about. But literally hundreds of references on fear, yet in the Bible, not all fear is the same. And, and we've already talked about that. There is a difference. And to answer your question, there is a difference to how a Christian fears God and how the world sees God or fears God. The first way that we see this, there's two main ways that Scripture talks about fear. And a third way the Bible speaks to or teaches on fear in an indirect sense. And what I mean by that is when the Bible says things that we're going to see where it says to those who fear the Lord, right? X, Y, and Z happens. 
Well, what the Bible is also saying for those who do not fear the Lord, X, Y, and Z will not happen, right? And that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about because we've we've come to realize that uh, where our Bible is inerrant and infallible and perfect in every way, there is no way God could write to every single thing. There can't be a proof text for everything, but what the Bible says is truth. So what it doesn't say is also truth, right? And and that's all I'm saying in a two versus one, one way there. So the first way, the first fear is the fear of God, okay? The, the actual reverent fear of God. The second way is to be terrified of God, and we'll talk about that because that manifests in, in a lot of different ways. And then the third is having no fear of God at all. Very dangerous place. Very dangerous place. Being terrified, we're going to talk about the second one first. So being terrified of God is about our natural desire to control the world around us. You say, well, I've never heard anybody say I'm terrified of, of, of God. Yeah, you have. And if you're truthful with yourself, you were that person at one time also. Even though I never said, hey, I'm scared of God, there was a reason why I was crying myself to sleep at night, praying to God to, to save me because I was terrified of falling asleep. Why? Because I knew in my heart of hearts that if I died before salvation, hell awaited, right? That's a terrifying thing. It should be a terrifying thing. And that's why I said it's so dangerous. What can scare you more than God? Nothing. So if you don't fear God, that's right up there in my, my book with blaspheming the Holy Ghost. You, what's going to turn you? Nothing I can say is going to scare you, right? That's why we also don't, don't uh, administer scare tactics like I call it here, where you, you scare somebody into the faith because that doesn't work either. God does the work. I'm not saying that we don't preach on sin. God knows we do around here. But I, we just give the truth of the Bible. The Bible is terrifying enough, right? I don't have to, quote unquote, church it up. But that makes the good news even, even more better. As terrifying as God is, that same terrifying God says, come to me, right? He sends his son and his son says, literally, whoever comes to me, I will not turn away. But then that same God also says there's coming a day that if you don't come to me, be terrified. Right. The, the last day of, of our history is known as the great and terrible day of the Lord. It's great for the Christian, for those who have feared God, for those who do not fear God. It's, it's a terror. It is the terror. Right. So that's what that's what we're looking at. So I said this is important. It really is. We're, we're actually talking about salvation or not salvation. Do you fear God? Congratulations, Christian. You're one of us. If you don't care, better start checking. Better start checking yourself. Are you sitting here and you're terrified of God? Like, like Jesus told the scribe, you're close. You're close. Learn to fearing. Being terrified of God is about our natural desire to control the world around us. It's the fear of losing what's important to us. So if God isn't the most important to you, 
then you're scared of losing what is important to you, okay? Whether it be uh, our job, family, reputation, health, our lives, you can insert here. Whatever is your God at that time, because as somebody who is in the world, if God isn't God, then it's whatever is most important to you at that moment. So, like, I'm going to use Ethan. He's about to be married. If Ethan was an unsaved individual right now, his, his God would be his girlfriend because he is pursuing her, right? We know that he is a believer and he's pursuing her biblically, which is fantastic because he, he fears God, right? And he does the things that God tells him to out of his reverent fear for God. It's a healthy fear, not an unhealthy fear, okay? If, it, you know, if, if I was an unsaved believer, whatever I cared about right now, that's my God. Tomorrow may be something different. That's why literally every other religion has hundreds and hundreds of gods because one isn't enough. No god, no idol, no man-made thing can represent the God of all creation. That's why there's thousands of gods out there. That's why there's thousands of religions because God isn't their God. They fear something other than God. Sometimes this means hiding from what we fear, right? If we're in this terror of God, so I'm going to hide from what I fear because out of sight, out of mind. You know, if I just hunker down in the shadows, maybe this terrible God will go to somebody else and he'll, he'll look over me. Uh, <clears throat> hiding from what we fear in hopes that you know, it, it can't find us, or, or in this instance, he can't find us. But we know that there's nowhere that we can hide, right? Other times, it means trying to control every detail of our lives. So you see this manifest in different ways, right? You, you ultimately are trying to hide from God. We're going to see that in Genesis. You can see that's where we're going to go. Uh, but also, you have those that just come to mind that goes, they, they manage their life so meticulously, they don't have time for God. Right? They, they micromanage their own lives to maintain control to where I just, I mean, I would love to, but I have this to do and I have that to do. And, and got, that, that God stuff sounds really good. And I, church would be great, but y'all got to go three times a week. Like, that's crazy. I don't have time for that. Right? You're starting to understand how you've never heard somebody say, I'm terrified of God, but we were all terrified of God at one time. This whole world is in terror of God. That would have been the fear that Adam and Eve had. And that, that's right. And that's, that's where we're going. That's why I say the, the Bible is perfect. It, it's already manifested in the very first representation of mankind. And we can go ahead and go there now. Genesis 3, right? The fall of man. Adam... Adam had a reverent fear of God in the beginning. He was made perfect. God literally walked with the man, right? But then sin entered in. So Adam has kind of a reverse effect. Genesis 3, Adam has a reverse effect. He goes from perfection to fallen nature, right? We have the reverse effect of Adam. We go from fallen nature to what the Lord says, we're called saints to righteousness, okay? 
And although I am in this flesh sinful, in God's eyes, we are perfect. That's crazy to believe, but that is what the Bible says. Does that give us license to sin? God forbid, right? God forbid. Why? Because I fear God and I know what he's given me. And I'm going to live the rest of my life and try and uphold his statutes, even though I know when I fall, I'm fearing of God, but he's a loving father. Genesis 3, 7 and 10. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. That is not reverent fear. That is a terror of God. Why? Because he had just done what God told him not to do. He's in terror. Now we know that God's going to make a sacrifice. He's going to clothe them. They are going to get kicked out of the garden. They are going to get a curse put upon them, but they don't die, right? God said when you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And we know that their death is coming, and it's a spiritual death as well. But there is repentance for Adam. There's repentance for Eve. I truly do believe in my heart of hearts. You tell me if I'm wrong. We get to heaven, we're going to worship God around the throne with Adam and Eve. I, I really do believe that. I really do. Because if not, they would have just been eliminated. You're reprobates now. You did what I told you not to do. And guess what? There would be no assurance for us because we have done the exact same thing that Adam and Eve have done. I believe they're going to be there. But that's what this terrifying fear does. It, it calls us to hide ourselves from God, even though we can't. That's what we, we disillusion ourselves with. That's what I believe I can do. This kind of fear pulls, pulls us away from God. It tells us that we are on our own, right? This is what this fear does. It tells us that we're on our own, and, and there's no one who cares for us. And there's no one who can help us. It tells us that God is not really concerned about us. He's created us, and he's just set us in this way, and it's just just controlled chaos the way the world wants to say it. You know, if they get close enough to say that this is a creation and there was a creator, well, then it's just controlled chaos, and he's, he's just set this thing in motion, and he's, he's watching like he's watching a TV show, and we know that that's not what the Bible says. It makes giants out of what we fear. So think of the spies that come back. They were already given the land, but they seen giants. They were afraid. Giants so big that we think even God can't beat them. You go, whoa, that's a statement. But that's exactly, think back, if you can, to a time before you were saved. I, yes, I feared God. I was terrified of God, but I was at that moment, for whatever reason, more terrified at what people thought, you know, been sitting in church and knowing I need to heed to what's happening on the inside, but I'm, I'm afraid that people are going to laugh at me if I, if I say that I'm less than what I am. 
oh, you're a preacher's kid and you have to be saved? You bet I did, <laughs> right? I didn't come out of the womb saved, unfortunately. I had to go through the same process as everybody else. Praise God, I got that process, though. Why? Because even though I wasn't saved, I feared God. Even if it was an unhealthy fear, it led to salvation. That's what we're talking about is fear. When it comes to this kind of fear, the Bible says that we should, if you are saved tonight, you should abandon this type of fear. As a Christian, as a believer, you shouldn't be terrified of your holy God. Does, does that make sense? That you're a believer, there's no reason to live in terror of God and His judgment or His wrath because we have no longer been made vessels fit for wrath. We gain eternity. Yes, sanctification. Yes, trials and tribulations. Yes, tests. Yes, passing through that refiner's fire. Yes, chastisement for whenever I don't do what I, what I know to do is right. But not wrath. There's no reason to live in terror of your father. You had a God. You had a judge all along. But now you have a father. You've, you've been adopted. You've been made sons and daughters. There's, we need to abandon, like Isaiah 41 and 10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. This is God speaking. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. This is what we've gained. That's right. That's my goodness. The war is good. True. Amen. I will strengthen you, he says. So this we haven't just gained a God who now says, okay, you're free from wrath. Hope you make it. No, it's a pers he's a personal God, right? I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. This is what we've gained. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We've not only gained favor with God, unmerited favor, his grace, but we have gained a helper right? A comforter, a friend, one who sticks closer than a brother. Abandon this terrifying fear of God. That's not your God. Your God is ever before you. Go ahead, Brother Nicky. Living forms and doing what's right, you don't have to fear. But a lot of people don't know him. Yeah. And they do whatever they want to do. And it's the devil causing them to do. Yes, sir. Devil or your own deceitful ways. You're right. So let's look at the holy fear, okay, the reverent fear, the fear that we should all have and the fear that I hope we wouldn't have to fully define. We ought, we ought to know what reverence of God is, right? I hate sin. God hates sin. Yeah. And I fear sin because God won't punish me. That's, that's it in a nutshell right there. I fear God out of reverence, and in that, I hate I what he I hates. I fear God... I just fear to sin against God. You know? Yeah, I, yeah, right. You're reverent to God. Correct. So uh, there's been plenty of people who have said a lot better things and a lot more elegant things on this topic. John Piper is one of those, and, and I put his uh, quote in here from um, his book, The Pleasures of God. Uh, John Piper describes the fear of God as if we were caught in a terrible storm. All right, and this is what he says. Uh, 
imagine if you will, I'm going to set it up. Imagine if you will, you're in a storm in Antarctica. It's the only way John Piper's mind would work. Okay. Have you, have you read this before? But this is okay. Uh, exploring a, a, a Arctic glacier. This is how you know this isn't from me, right? I, the storm is so strong that you fear you'll blow right off the side of the cliff. But then you discover a cleft in the ice where you can hide and find shelter. Even though you are safe, you watch the storm go past with a kind of trembling pleasure. And this is his quote. At first, there was the fear that this terrible storm and awesome terrain might claim your life. But then you found a refuge and gained the hope that you would be safe. But not everything in the, in the feeling called fear vanishes from your heart, only the life-threatening part. There remain the trembling, the awe, the wonder, the feeling that you would never want to tangle with such a storm or be the adversary of such power. The fear of God is what is left from the storm when you have a safe place to watch right in the middle of it. Oh, the thrill of being here in the center of the awful power of God, yet protected by God himself. That's, man, that's Christendom, right? God never promised to take us out of the storm. He just said, I'm with you in it. Okay? Not only am I with you in it, but I protect you from it. He rides it out with us. The, 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 the storm is life, y'all. We don't get protected from life. We get protected from God, and it's God who protects us from Him. So uh, thank you, John Piper. It's a great book. Uh, of course, I have it in my library. But uh, The Pleasures of God, you need, to, you need to pick it up. That's a good read. The fear of the Lord is to be like Moses. All right. Uh, remember Exodus. Moses went up to the mountain. He surely feared of the awful wonder that God was, but he wasn't terrified because God called him up. If God called me into the midst of this terrible, awful, God is going to protect me. Right. That's 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 the thought that Moses had to have had. Otherwise, he would have fell like a dead man and wouldn't have done it. <laughs> OK. Be like Moses. He removed his shoes because he was standing on holy ground. Right. That's a reverence. God said, hey, remove your shoes. This isn't normal earth. And Moses said, yes, Lord, and did it. Right. He, he reverenced God's command. That wasn't a suggestion, and, and hopefully, I have so many things that would be really cool series, like going through the Bible and looking at the commands of God, right? It, the sheet was given to us uh, last year sometime, but there's a lot of commands. Like Moses, it wasn't a suggestion, hey Moses, if you would like to, take your shoes off. He said, take your shoes off, or else. <laughs> really, you can go ahead and add that to it. And Moses went, oh, okay, all right. Hey, go to Egypt. And then Moses was even like, I can't, I can't do that. And God said, I said, go to Egypt. And he went to Egypt or Jonah, go to Nineveh. I ain't going to Nineveh. Okay. Three days in the belly of the well. Hey, Jonah, go to Nineveh. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> right. Why did Jonah change his mind? 
fear, <laughs> right? Now reverent fear because God means what he says. Why do any of us change our mind? Why was our hearts changed? Why was our minds renewed? Why do I serve God though I've never seen him? So I reverence him. I fear him. Something happened to me. I can't explain it other than the fact God did it. It's kind of hard for people to understand that. Uh, my wife didn't understand that. But I explained it to her and she has grown a lot. That's good. Be like the woman at the well who came face to face with the one who knew her so well. Right? She said, "Who?" basically she said, who are you? And he said, oh, oh, I'm God. I'm the one. Like, don't worry about where you've been worshiping. Worship me in spirit and truth, right? You're going to worship God in spirit and truth. She encountered grace, right? Remember that Samaritans, they weren't, they weren't good people according to the Jewish nation. They were outcasts. They were downright Gentiles with Jewish blood, which is crazy to think about. But yet God showed himself to her. And said, oh, by the way, here for you, you know, oh, wonderstruck, right? Why? How many has ever had that question when you sit back and you meditate on what, what God has done for you? Why? That's, that's out of the abundance of reverence. Why would you do this for me? I'm nothing. That's reverence, right? Somebody who doesn't fully fear God or doesn't fear God rightly says, why haven't you done anything else? Why haven't you shown me the sign that I'm asking for? Right? Like the Pharisees. Those miracles and the gospel that you're preaching, that's cool. Hey, show us a sign. That's not reverence. Right? That's let me rub this genie in a bottle and see what else he has. She ran to the village and told everybody, hey, come meet this really cool guy. No. Repentant heart. She said, y'all know me, and guess what? I'm about to tell you who I am. Come meet a man who told me everything that I was. It's repentance. It's reverence. It is to be like the disciples who feared for their lives in the midst of the terrible storm, right? The sea, we went through it in Mark. And, but after seeing Jesus calm the storm with just his words, what did they do? They were awestruck. They said, who is this man? Who is this? This is Mark 4 and 41. That even the winds and the sea obey. That's reverence. The Bible actually says you go through the Gospels, they fell down and worshipped him. Jewish people didn't do that. But they did that night because a man doesn't do what Jesus did. <laughs> right? It's reverence. Jesus deserved reverence that night because even creation obeys him. Hey, Maybe I should obey him too. Okay? If the waves bowed down to him, think of it that way. Maybe I may, we shouldn't be standing right here. This is holy ground. Right? This kind of fear is to grasp the wonder of the gospel that a holy and righteous God would take on flesh and enter into this sin stained world to rescue us from the clutches of death. Okay? It is to be utterly blown away because of Jesus. There's no one better. That's, that's reverence. Okay. 
we are children of God and, and we go freely before the throne of grace because of what Christ has done. We do this in complete confidence. When you kneel down and pray, be confident in your prayer. Now, we also know that we pray amiss and and there's times when I'm even praying and I'm going, Scott, you don't, don't be praying that. Amen. So there's some scripture references. And for time, uh, I'm going to read first John and, uh, and Jeremiah, but y'all go back and read those references. It's, it's, it's our uh, proof text, if you will, of what, what, the fear of God is, and also what the fear of God isn't. Okay? So 1 John 4, 15 and 18 says this, Whatever, <clears throat> whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. All right? So we, that's salvation in a nutshell. And he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. That's that Jewish way of saying the same thing twice, right? So it's pretty important. Verse 17, By this love is perfected in us, so that we may, be conf- or may have confidence in the day of judgment. Why do we, are we not terrified of God, but we're reverent to him not in fear of judgment I've been judged the Bible says because as he is so also are we in this world there is no fear in love okay but uh, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We're talking about that terrifying fear. If you're here tonight or if you're listening and you do a self-reflection and a checklist and all you have is a terrifying fear of a God who's going to judge me, salvation is unto you. Okay, I'm going to say that. You're close. You're on the right path. You know, there's, you know there is a reason to fear. You can reverence him. Proverbs 2 speaks to that. Proverbs 18 and 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Okay? The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. Peaceful sleep. I didn't know what sleep was till that, that night I got saved. Right? I've had some unrestful sleep since then. But let me tell you about that night. I slept like a baby. I really did. Why? It was the first night in my 17 years that I wasn't terrified to go to sleep. That's the only way I can explain it. If I died in my sleep, praise be to God. I'm I'm saved. <laughs> you know? I wasn't terrified. <laughs> Jeremiah 5:20 20 through 24. Declare this to the house of Jacob and proclaim it in Judah, saying, Now hear this, O foolish and senseless people. Mm, Not all Israel is Israel. We may not be talking about a saved person right now, okay? O foolish and uh, senseless people who have eyes but do not see, 
who have ears but do not hear. Do you not fear me? This is God saying, you, 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 you don't fear me? Woe to you. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea, an eternal decree so it cannot cross over it. Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot, or yet they cannot cross over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and departed. They do not say in their heart, Now listen, let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain in its seasons, both the autumn rain and the spring rain, who keeps uh, for us the appointed weeks of the harvest, and it, and it continues on. There is a right way to fear God. And what that is speaking to is that third way, right? The Bible doesn't explicitly say it, but that is what that passage is saying. Is You don't fear me? Well, then you're not of me. And if you're not of me, I'm against you. And that's not good. Ecclesiastes ends 12 and 13 with this, the conclusion. This is the wisest man of all of history. All right. The sum of it all depended on your on your version. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and his commandments, because this applies to every person for God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it be good or evil. So to be saved is to have a reverent fear of God. Right? So, hey, we're doing good. We got 10 minutes. What the fear of God looks like. So, this is application time. Y'all ready? To answer the question, what is the difference between uh, believers fearing in God and the world fearing in God? This, this is it. Christians draw near to God and enjoy intimacy with Him. Sinners flee from God. They stay at a distance as not to provoke Him. Well, if I just don't make Him mad, maybe it'll be okay. How many ever, if my dad's ever said it, I know he has in his testimony of uh, I, when I was just, when I was going to get to heaven, I was just going to fast talk my way into the pearly gates. You know, I'll just keep keep my distance. I'll I'll stay low. Everything will be fine. It'll be gravy. Not, not so much. Number two, Christians never speak disrespectfully about God. We don't blaspheme, right? That's, uh, that's, what commandment is that? Don't take the Lord's name in vain? Okay. He puts it pretty high on the list. It's, it's important. No matter what happens, that's the important thing. We don't disrespectfully talk about God no matter what happens. Job, okay? Think of Job. The Bible says God's own words was Job was a righteous man and he never, he, he did not blame God for what was going on. He reverenced God. Oh, he got close. He cursed his mama. He cursed the day he was born. He cursed everything but God. But don't you believe, just like I always read about um, 
execution, do you believe that on his deathbed that he asked forgiveness that God will forgive him? Who? The one that's the criminal that's put to death. Well, absolutely, thief on the cross. Uh, the thief on the cross. Well, yeah. Why not? Why can't he be forgiven? He can. That's what I'm saying. That's no, he can. Okay. Number f uh, three, Christians honor the word of God. We don't blaspheme, blaspheme his name. We honor the word of God. Sinners have little to no dealings or even convictions of the word of God. Okay. Christians live holy lives. You go, uh-uh, I'm sinful. Yeah, guess what? You're a lot holier than you was before salvation, right? Live another day in reverent fear of God. Tomorrow you're going to be a little holier. Hopefully, right? The sinners, they they live lives as they see fit. It's, I'm only as holy as I need to be, right? God-fearers do not uh, do what God says no matter what it is. Sinners do what feels good to them at the time. All right? So th this is the difference. They don't know God. Mama. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And that, that is that is in a nutshell what we either know God or we don't know God. You know God, you love him. Yeah. And you try to please him in every way. That's right. So conclusion. All right. With the three types of fear God's word speaks of, there is one that shows as fruit of true repentance. There's one that leads to true repentance. And there's one that blasphemes even the working power of the Holy Ghost. All right, I'm going to read that again. It's a pretty powerful statement. Not because I wrote it, but because it's biblical truth. There's one that shows as fruit of true repentance. There's one that leads to true repentance. And there's one that blasphemes the working power of the Holy Ghost. The genuine fear or reverence Okay. of God only comes from a deep and true knowledge of God. That's what Brother Nicky just said. Not only a head knowledge, but a true, heartfelt, never the same again, turning from the wickedness of sin because God is holy knowledge. All right, a biblical knowledge. In other words, this fear is in essence a sign of true Christendom. You can only fear God if God has made himself known to you, right? The terror of an almighty God, this second fear, that sees and knows the hearts of man, this terror of an almighty God that sees and knows the hearts of mankind that looms over a fallen person bound by sin, right, is what ultimately leads to repentance, or I guess a better way would say can lead to repentance. This is, this is the proverbial crossroads, if you will. If I am terrified of God, I at least acknowledge that there is a God and I am, I am open to the truth of God. Now, I can reject that truth and, and I can turn from that. You see that in, in Israel. You see that in Jeremiah. That's what he was literally saying. You've turned, you've, you have the truth. And you've turned from the truth. You're not part of me, right? So this person 
that may not even be able to articulate what's happening. You may not even hear this person say, I'm terrified of God. That's how they're living their life, though, right? That's those who aren't repentant, but yet they're, they're tore up on the inside because they do something that they know the Bible says is wrong, right? I've broken the Ten Commandments. Well, of course you have, sinner, <laughs> right? But that, that tears me up on the inside. I'm convicted by that. I don't have a stony heart, right? I have a heart that isn't hardened to the things of God. I'm able to be changed. That's this, that's this, that's this second fear. It's an unhealthy fear if you're a believer. You shouldn't be terrified of God. It is very much a healthy fear if you are a sinner because you understand that you are in, God has turned his face to you and what he sees, he hates. Come to me, though, right? The, the message of the gospel. Although we can't, uh, this person doesn't necessarily articulate it, they long for what God offers. God offers peace. That's what this person really wants. Why? Because I'm terrified. I don't even know why. I want peace. Well, you need God. Why? Because God is joy. Well, I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> I'm depressed. Come, come to me, right? This is where this person is. When presented with the gospel and in God's divine timing, that's important, this person comes to Christ and this loom, looming afraidness of God changes to love, trust, faithfulness, ending in true repentance, right? And then you have the third one, the one who fears neither God nor man, if you want to use a biblical term. The one who seems to have no interest in life or death. I don't care what happens. The one who does not heed to what they can see in creation or by what they have heard or by their own conscience. We're in Romans. Okay? To this person who cannot be touched by even the very Spirit of God himself, this person is in danger of never being converted and will spend eternity ever before his Lord or her Lord in his wrath. That's, that's what I'm saying. So, how does this work for us, Christian? Don't fear God. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, right? When we witness... Be listening for those telltales of somebody telling you in one way or the other, I'm terrified, help me. That, that's a person ready and, and, and willing to listen. You may not see conversion that day, but a seed can be planted and will be planted. Somebody else is going to come and they are going to water. What God starts, he will finish. That's the ground that we play in. You're also going to see this other ground that they don't care. They, they genuinely don't care. They get the same treatment. This is what's important. Let me take one minute. They get the same treatment from the Christian. They get love. They get affection. They get the gospel. Not just part of the gospel because I don't think they're understanding. They get the gospel. You're a sinner. You're in danger of hellfire. God knows it. God sees you. God wants you. They get the full gospel. They may reject that gospel. That's heaping coals upon their heads. You love that person. Because 
that's what God tells us to do. I mean, I was going to try and make it very eloquent. God tells, that's what we do. Go out and make disciples of all men, even the ones who don't want to hear it, right? Are they going to become a disciple? Well, if they, if they stay in this third fear, no, they're not. But the option is there, right? God chooses who he chooses. He elects who he elects. He saves who he saves. But in this time, guess who those people are? Everybody who will listen. Every single person. John Piper says it the best, and I love it. I don't choose who God has chosen. I tell everybody that God wants them. God died for them. God loves them. God wants them. That's what we say. To God be the glory. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this study. Lord, to be able to take time out and walk through the important topics of life, topics of you. Lord, help us as believers, first and foremost, to show the world a reverent, healthy love for you, a reverent and healthy fear for you. Lord, help us to understand when we are talking to the world that it's your design for us to do so. Help us to remember, God, that at one time we was the world that we've been adopted into this kingdom. This world is not ours, but we were a part of that at one time. Help us to remember that. Help us, O oh God, to be able to reflect that back. And we could say, like Paul told the Corinthians, I was you one time. You can be like me. Lord, and help us to do that humbly, not to boast in ourselves, Lord, but in true reverence, point to you and you alone. Lord, we thank you for this. We honor you and we praise you in your name. Amen. You've been listening to the Learning Curve podcast brought to you by Abundant Grace Church here in DeVille, Louisiana. Uh, we invite you to look at our webpage. It is www.abundantgracechurchonline.com. Uh, there you can find all the different ways that you can uh, be in contact with us. Thank you. Thank you.